This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series.
You're listening to Power 102 Digital. It's the Power Breakfast Show as we continue. There's the queue. Yes, so our lines are open. 222 Talk, 222 North Americans, toll free, 866 525 1099. So much to talk about. So much to talk about. So I'm seeing that the, go I'm ahead. Seeing, I'm seeing the issue of the retirement age going to 65 seems to be more and more in the um seems to be getting more and more pending, uh, I suppose, if that's the way you want to look at it. Because it, they what what one of the editorials in one of the dailies today is suggesting is that the AG, um, Regional Armour Senior Council, um, in outlining the proposal um, of, um, in terms of the government's agenda for the current parliamentary term on Friday, he, to- he talked about the Senior Citizens Pension Amendment Bill, which he said would modernize the Senior Citizens Pension Scheme and would complement what he said was the proposed increase in the age of retirement from 60 to 65. Um, he framed the measure as a gift, not one affecting their pockets. It would allow older people to continue to contribute. Um, um, so it seems, of course, the editorial goes on to talk about this, how this was a reversal of government's policy um, in terms of tinkering with the, with the retirement age. Well, do you have any choice? You know, this is, this is in large, this is in part to deal with that uh, NIS issue where this, this, the, the contributions will will not be able to support the fund exit by, by 2030. I think that was the year that was that was discussed. And the fact that if we don't do that and increase the contributory opportunity, the fund may not be able to support what it's supposed to support. And I have no problem with it in principle. You know, my issue is there should be a tiered system. Those who want to retire at 60, retire at 60. And those who want to retire at 65, retire at 65. But, but from my understanding, that could be wrong. If and when it happens, you'll be penalized, the, the opportunity will be there, but you'll be penalized if you opt to retire at 60. And I don't agree with that. Yeah. And and what happens to people who are on the cusp? Uh, who are on the cusp? Well, yeah. it, the, I think the plan is to do it in a transitionary process. But when it when the end of the transitionary process comes into fruition, the retirement will be 65 set. But if you opt to retire at 60 after that transitionary period is has elapsed, you'll be penalized, which I really disagree oh, with. So yeah. you mean there may be an opportunity for people on the cusp yeah. to retire at 60 so with their full 60, benefits? Your full benefits. And then after that, after that after time period has elapsed, you'll be penalized if you want to retire at 60, which I, I just disagree with. And I don't understand why. And I'm not an actuary by any means. I don't understand why you can't have a dual system. Yeah. You understand? And say those who want to start a process from the time you're 55, you understand? To wrap up. And those who think you identify when you want to retire and you start to continue at that stage. Is yeah. it that you will be eligible for more if you go the extra five years or not? The actuaries are going to work out that. That won't be there for. You understand? Yeah. But the, but, the, but benchmark, the, the benchmark right now is 33 and a third. Yeah. In terms of your full benefits, I believe. So, yeah. would that change? And it could be that you could um, offer 
some additional it, you could stay with the with the standard benef benefit and if you go the extra five years you get some arrangement where you get a little more or uh uh well your gratuity well, obviously, your gratuity would go up in terms of the quantum because exactly the gratuity is a percentile of your total income earned over your work yeah. life. So, so I don't, I don't understand why it's so difficult. Because it all depends on how much you put into it, not so? Yeah. Exactly. So if you're putting five years more, you should be eligible for either five years additional gratuity or some one-off payment that represents that five-year input into it. Yeah. So I do see. I do see. But your gratuity would maybe. go up because, as I say, it's a percentile of how much money you've earned over the end, your work life, um, at least in the public sector, and 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 so it would go up. So yes. yeah, but it's I don't know. People, I mean, what what they're also suggesting in this article is that obviously there's a trend worldwide for it because people are living longer. People are living longer, and all the financial so, analysts tell you who, what financial advisors tell you generally people should not look at retiring at 60 anymore because it's a mistake because basically well, well, some people uh, say well some people you know some um how do you call it people who look at aging and who investigate aging saying you should never retire meaning that even if you retire from your eight to four job you, you should continue doing something at least part-time yeah whatever it is that gives you joy yeah um continue doing it what if it's a side hustle because and that side hustle becomes food. now your thing continue doing it don't always and then there are some people who want to do nothing well that's not doing the nothing, some, some doing nothing so can be pretty boring yeah but some people want to be bored <laughs> some people want to be, i know people who couldn't wait till the six they say i done i don't want to do nothing yeah yeah no i get I it i want to get up the money and scratch but people are living longer, and what they're saying is that unless you are able to put aside quite a bit of money to take care of yourself, given the global shocks we're seeing in inflation ever so often and all of that, and your medical expenses go up when you get older also, when you cross 60, because you all sorts of maladies kick in, you may not be able to take well, care of yourself. But not only that, Paul, the society becomes very unequal to the age. That's true. Mm -hmm. And the society has never include has never included age as a discriminatory issue under the Equal Opportunities Act as far as as far as I'm aware. Age is but not there. The, the Minister of Social Development and Family Services, the the AG did say in his in his budget presentation last week, Friday, that they're working on a on a bill related to older persons. I don't know if it's protection in the homes and or other issues. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, because you talk about homes, I'm talking about people who, as they get older, start to, to, to get discriminated against in yeah, a negative way. Mm -hmm. um, you have it, and, and, I, and, I, and I know why age was not included in that Equal Opportunities actor. It probably was a big lobby from the insurance industry. Because if they say you can't discriminate, mm -hmm. then it means insurance companies would not be, be would not be able you to discriminate you, against you, you because of if you're 55 and 60. Yeah, because of your age. In addition yeah. to which, it means it also means that licensing division would have to alter some of their rules with regard to age to people. 
because age people uh, people i think over the age of 60 have more limitations in the length of their license yeah. rather mm-hmm. than just saying well okay we require a medical certificate and every and two years or something like that but you can get it for 10 years yeah they don't do that i think they renew it up to two years so they start to discriminate against you as a driver even so even though the state on one hand is saying you're good enough to work till age 65 licensing is saying um even though the state is saying you can work till 65 we have limitations for you as a driver from the time you cross 60. and i think it's every two years i can't remember what the limitations are people are over 60 and i know there are many of you listening um you can tell us what the limitations are And, and and is it fair yeah is it fair if you, on one hand you're saying you're healthy enough to work till 65 but on the other hand you're saying uh your limitations in your ability to, to to have a license for a lengthy period because i think it's every two years or something like that and then you have to reapply again every two years even though i don't think you pay anything for the license i'm subject to correction i'm not sure um but it should be that you could get it for the 10 years but subject to medical certification every three years you just present that or send that via email that you're competent to keep the license or you know there should be a modernization of it because you can't tell me on one hand you're good to work till 65 on the other hand another state machinery telling you well you ain't that good anymore mm-hmm. you understand so so that it becomes conflicting at least that's how i see a lot, a lot to reserve the four nines are open you could add your voice. Would you prefer the minimum age to go to 65? Is a question we could possibly ask tomorrow. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I, I, I have a, a problem. I don't know if you gentlemen could work it out. Now, the members of the protective services, according to the agreement, once you did not reach the rank of assistant superintendent, you are compelled to retire at age 55. Once you reach assistant superintendent, you will go to 60. Since they're planning to change the whole scenario, I want to know if they will now go back and let the, the, the members of the protective services go back to 65. Interesting question, because they, they have all obviously run a parallel system that was a little different. So that yeah. would be something that um, I suppose uh, we, we could probably have somebody who's an independent senator raise the issue. I don't know if we know any. When that bit of legislation gets before Parliament. It's a very good point I to raise. Li- I, I would like the independent senator, Dr. Dr. Richard, or Richard, yeah. to raise the, the, the question in Parliament. Thank it's you. a very good point to raise. You raise a very good point there. Mm-hmm. All right. So two to talk two to two eight two five five and North America it's eight six six five two five ten ninety nine. And you this is where you hang up the call. <laughs> two 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 <laughs> two two eight two five five. She ain't doing much better than I did. Okay. Good morning. Hi, morning again, Dr. Paul and Richard. We morning. My brother, my brother renewed his license at 61, and he got four years. 
And okay. instead of that's not four bad. years, right? So after four years, when you reach sixty-five, um, it's one year after that. Every year after that, I should say. So. Oh, so from age sixty-five, you only get it for a year, and you have to keep renewing it every year. Yeah, and with a medical. So it's contradicting the workplace new want to the want to be new policy with workplace you know going up to age sixty-five because if that's the case with driving. And you have to continue working. Say there's a law that you have to continue working up to age 65. Next day, you have no vehicle to drive. <laughs> you have to take a bus, which you don't have. No, you could drive it, but you have to provide a medical because you have to provide yeah. it. To show that and that's what I'm saying. That, that medical of, if you recognize that people are living longer and sometimes healthier, um, mm-hmm. and long, well, longer and healthier, 61, even if, if I'm at 66, and 67 every single year you have to keep renewing your your your, your driver's permit seriously yeah, they can't give you the five years to eight seventy. that, that is say, discrimination you're right and just say send a medical even if you want a medical every year say send it via email and you know and even if you want to limit it to certain um doctors or whatever a, a list of accredited doctors that you want to use then so be it but because if you're afraid that people are going to, you know, go to their friend and say, give me a medical certificate. But, but, but the up, issue of dealing really... with people as they grow older is something that the state has to be more progressive about in terms of the discrimination that older people feel. Um, I mean, and in addition to insurance, look at insurance. Yeah, but Paul, Paul Insurance gets away with a lot of stuff in this country. I think the senator, doctor in the public sector. Like, like oh, to get that doctor. medical certificate. To get a medical certificate, yeah. Right. Okay. I know someone who had to do that recently as well. So they didn't. You can't go to your private doctor. You had to go to a public sector um, doctor. Right. So I guess that's what they were trying to see. That your own doctor will not put something that is incorrect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then. you all have a good day. Thanks. Same to you. And you should be able to send that digitally. Well, I guess a big deal in Trinidad and Tobago. This move to digitize a digitized society. You hear what it goes through next year. Yeah. We're talking about this since the pandemic started. Let's see how long it takes to actually materialize. Hello, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I just wanted to some perspective on the issue of retirement age. That's some of the things that we may not consider in the public space. This whole confusion that it has going on. Now, in the army, a soldier could retire as early as 47 years old in the army based on the amount of service that he would have given. Now, further to that, the national insurance system caters for retirement between the ages of 60 to 65 already. It is already enshrined in the National Insurance Act that beyond 65, a person does not even have to contribute towards national insurance. And then there's the other issue in the public service where it is mandatory for persons below the rank, I think, of permanent secretary to retire at age 60. Now, Except, of course, if you would have served your 33 and a third and you desire to go at that point in time, which, would, which may be a, an age earlier than 60. 
the other thing is in the deliberated structure which is governed by a collective agreement someone can retire between the age of 50 from as early as 50 years old they can choose to retire and of course there is a mandatory age of 60 that they must retire now one of the questions that we have to ask in the public spaces when we mandate that a person can't retire before age 70 is what will happen then to the number of persons young persons coming out of school and entering the workforce that may have had some reasonable anticipation that they would occupy a space of a person who would have retired already at age 60 then that means that you're now lessening that opportunity for those younger persons to retire in any sphere, especially if you make it a national law. So it means that you're leaving out a number of young persons in the job market who will not be able to gain employment. Now, I don't know. Um, probably my thing is, if you want to carry up the age, then it should not be a mandatory thing that you have to go until age 70. But at least you should give, should give the people the option, the citizens the option to retire earlier than the age of 70. And, and that, age 65, they're suggesting, not 70. Huh? I said age 65, they're suggesting, not 70. Well, it was 65 at first, but I've been hearing the age of 70 going around in the space also. But I'm not, um, I haven't heard 70 at all. I'm, I've oh, only heard 65. So okay, I don't know where that 70 is coming from. But at least when the, the, and the confusion arises also, when the minister speaks about that retirement age of 65, you still have to take into consideration, you still have to take into consideration the fact that the national insurance system already caters for a limit up to 65. So is it that you're going mm. to remove that option of retiring at 60 and change the entire law and carry it to 65, but that is just for national insurance. What about the other parts of the economy that may, may, um, have, may want to know how does that affect the rest of the national workspace in terms of employment and your ability to go further and whatnot? Because genuinely, as Paul would have mentioned just now, <laughs> some of us who would have started working very young, we served 40 years <laughs> Are working by the time we reach 60 who after 40 years of work would really want to go and continue have to continue working you're forcing me to continue working to, to survive until a further age after i have spent over 40 years for retirement at age 60. how is that going to affect us in terms of our our wanting to now go and enjoy life which we couldn't do before and not have to get up on a daily basis to go and face an employer or, or a manager that we may probably like for that matter. And, and, and you're going to have collectivity issues multiplied because people go, they will be forced and they'll just go because they have to go for five more years. Well, so, so you see? Um, so I, I will leave Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it's, it's such a black and white issue because other countries have done it. And so you can look at what happened there in terms of the data and, and what happened in terms of productivity, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's, it's not that we are the first country doing it. In fact, yeah, in, but... in, in a lot of ways, we are kind of late to the table, even in the Caribbean. So 
you could look at what other countries' experience has been and how and, they manage. And, and, and we sometimes we do have to be creative. Maybe you do have to yes, work five and, days and, a week. But, but Maybe you could work thirty hours instead of forty hours. Yeah, yeah, but my challenge is the haste in which we want to implement this legislation to accommodate what, and then we find ourselves creating all sorts of necessary challenges because we have not taken all the arguments into consideration. And, and that, that is why I raised all those earlier questions just now. Okay? So, gentlemen, I, I will leave you there. Um, Paul, this is your friend from the court. Remember, I told you I don't like interviews, but, but in this case, I had to make some kind of um, intervention on, on the discussion. Okay? So, we you all have a good morning. All right. All right. Bye. Developing story in the UK. <laughs> the Tories want Liz Truss out and Boris back in. <laughs> oh, Liz Truss don't have, have long. Don't have long. No, again. she don't have long again. Mm -hmm. She thought it was going to be easy, but she last year, she might. Um, Theresa May lasted what a year, a little over. How long she last? Lasted? I'm not so sure. But she lasted a little while, didn't she? She didn't last too long. Boris didn't last too long either. But let me tell you, that Prime Minister seat in the UK is a revolving door. It's a difficult time to manage that country. And that fuel price thing is going to get very acute in a month or two when it gets colder. You understand? And it's going to get colder pretty quickly. She was Prime Minister for three years. Boris? No, Theresa May. Yeah, one almost a tomb. Never a dull moment. But right now they want Liz Truss head, figuratively. They say she's unfit to lead. Rishi Sunak must be saying, mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. And Bart must be saying, mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. There we go. Any calls, Shane? No, no calls as yet. We're we'll still no, taking right. your calls. 222-TALK, 222-8255. And North Americans, 866-525-1099. Because remember, Liz Russ, Liz Truss was in a battle with, uh, what was his name? Rishi Sunak, mm -hmm. I think it was. I was going to say Rishi Sunak, was he balling? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always wondered. I was and he wondering was a how... chancellor, so he had a, 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 a firmer grip on what the economic direction should be. But, but he was also suggested to be kind of elitist and would be tending toward uh, a, a kind of economic policy that would favor wealthier people rather than the, the normal Brits, the ordinary Brits, who really need support right now because, I mean, they're struggling to pay the, those gas bills. But this is, a, is, a, is an embarrassing thing to come to power a month ago, outline a set of economic policies and, 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 and direction, and then have to fire the person who you hired as your Chancellor of the Exchequer to champion them, pretend you had nothing to do with it, fire he to save yourself, and now your new ch Chancellor of the Exchequer come and say, well, you see, all that she talked about a month ago is rubbish. Forget all that. Rubbish. And it's interesting when, when you look, cause the BBC is exciting TV these days because they're carrying everything. Yesterday, the, the leader of the house had to answer questions for like an hour and a half, almost two hours, because the prime minister was not there. Neither was the chancellor of the exchequer. 
from the opposition about where's the prime minister there's a crisis and she was absent the prime minister eventually came uh the chancellor of the exchequer also came and he had a press conference before announcing the new economic policy and direction and then he brought it to the parliament and answered questions for two hours while the prime minister sat quietly stone-faced because they kept calling for her head figuratively mm. and this morning it's it's intensified even more with the leadership and the party now saying that she has no more she has no credibility because imagine those who were against her when she was going back going up against richie sunak you understand they are now saying and someone who supported her um ma'am you cannot separate yourself from the policies that of the person that you fired a couple of days ago those were your policies your policies sank the pound almost by half its value in two days your policy has the markets in turmoil your policy has brits feeding and sitting so not because you fire him we let you off the hook and obviously for us the british are so mm. i don't know that she's going to last very much longer but who but at what stage now were they gonna have another leadership election how does it work i have no clue i'm not that familiar with yeah they're um, gonna go through that again it was it's the, last about the, eight weeks last time the they tories and how they they if they want to remove i suppose they'll have to go through some, some sort of process again I, imagine they might as well call her early election exactly but that's what they're calling for they, they said telling a calling election because she's lost the moral authority to lead and imagine for example if someone in the opposition or even her own party brings up a motion of no confidence in the parliament she'd probably lose she'd probably lose and then that that'll be like a, a palace school and then that she, I think she may as well call an election now and let everything start from start because, because I mean, it's not looking good. And the, the, the her government, as as being led by her, has credibility issues in just a month. So, it's it started already, but it's, it's now nine here, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two, two o'clock or so in the UK. So you know, it's at Parliament is at its peak. They they laid into her yesterday. I mean, it was it was brutal, and I don't that leader of the house, uh, female also had to. I mean, endure two hours of vitriolic political jargon. Where's your prime minister? Where you understand? Mm -hmm. When this trust should have been there. You couldn't tell me that you were creating the policy at that point. Uh, when doing it to come to parliament they're saying it is not a good sign of leadership when you don't turn up because do you know you're going to be questioned uh see me come live with me is too different thing eh? but this year record is being prime minister even for a short while goes in your resume and boris must sit down saying mm -hmm. Because they said months ago that Boris would not go easily. So you think Boris in the background, think about it, whipping up support for her removal. It is not pretty at all. And the numbers are... 222-TALK, 222-8255, North Americans, 866 
525-1099. And we're counting on to Tobago Carnival, which is coming up in about two weeks. That's this weekend. Is this weekend? Isn't it? The 28th. The 20, it's 26, 27, 28 there. What's this next week? Oh, it's the following week. Okay. Yeah, it's the following week. So, I think good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Very nice show as usual. Two things that Calypso you played in the um, shorty um, money's no problem. You know, I wonder what year that was. But Th- you know, that's nineteen seventy-eight. And we still have the same problems today. There's public transport and the services still in a mess. Who is to blame for that? We had a PNM in power for so many years and they never corrected it. That is one. Two. Um, that point that Cola made about the common age of officers in the service. At 55, you must leave once you don't pass inspector. And I'm seeing like the middle management of the service. You have officers burning there to reach up to the first division. But when they reach 53, 54, they shut down because they can't go further. And with the sort of tardy promotion in the service, you lose all those officers and then you bring them back as a SRP. Let them continue to 60. You have continuity, you have middle management moving up to the first division, the executive officers. And I think this will also benefit. Right now there's a drain. Most of the sergeant inspectors have to leave at 55 and the service is a mess. So I think, um, Senator Paul, you need to raise that in, in this NIS new age. I think the police service, like the public service, should go 60 across the board. You have the option to leave if you want at, you know, 55 as the case may be. And I think more burden officers will take that opportunity to reach up and you have a better service with qualified, experienced officers heading the service. And the last, final thing, the appointment of the police commissioner, that should be left to the police service commissioner. Let them do everything. Hire, recruit, interview, and hold the officer accountable. Why have to be to the political realm in the parliament to, to choose who they want, you know? I think we'll be getting mixed with that. And it, it's... It, it's playing out for itself now. Let the police service commission hire, fire, and run the service as who they seem fit to hold that position. Thank you, gentlemen. So we're still taking your your calls to 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 talk two 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 eight two five five as we head towards nine a.m. on this Tuesday morning. So two 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 talk two 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 eight two five five North Americans eight six six five two five ten ninety nine. So of course we have um, been discussing the retirement age, which is also an issue and is the subject of an editorial in one of the dailies today. And of course we also discussed the Lady Vincent Nelson issue and um, other issues. I can't remember all of them. Hello, good morning. Hi, morning, guys. Good morning, sir. I want to give, morning, morning. I want to give some context to the conversation about the retirement age. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Mr. Manning stated was that um, the retirement age is for NIS benefits only. We don't have a legislated retirement age across the board in the country. I know the IMF is calling for a legislated retirement age lies across the board in the country. Now, Mr. Manning said that he that this is oh this is not that. Now, the fact about it is that we 
I mean, no pun intended, but we can't trust everything politicians say. But, um, um, present company excluded, guys. But, um, we, the retirement age that they want to, 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 to bring is for NIS benefits only. I know that one caller talked about, um, um, it being optional. Now, it is optional. With the impending amendment, it's going to be optional, meaning that you can get your full benefits at 65, and NIS benefits we're talking about here, at 65, and you get prorated benefits from 60 to 65. So I think it's supposed to be about 6% less per year. Um, and uh, so I think at 60, you will get 70% of your, of your benefits and so on and so forth until 65, where you'll get 100% of your benefits. Where the I hear you is, in terms uh-huh. of, the, of the national insurance, but I think the conversation is broadening to the retirement age as in the public service retirement age moving to 65. I think the conversation is starting to broaden because I've heard that what you've said before, that it was just an NIS issue, that, that rather than get your NIS benefits at age 60, it will now shift to age 65. But I think it's actually because they're engaging the unions, which the Minister of Finance has indicated. You don't have to engage the unions for the issue of NIS payments at 865 in the same way as you have to engage unions for the retirement age, meaning work continues till age 65. So I really do think the state is planning to shift the age of retirement totally from age 60, which is mandated in the public sector, to age 65, which would affect a huge portion of the population because you're talking about teachers, you're talking about public servants, you're talking about public sector workers. And the mere idea that the conversation is being had with unions, it has to be that I think the retirement age itself is being considered to be shifted so that those contributions continue. So I don't think we can separate them and have them in separate silos, as you're suggesting. Right. So, um, yes, he did engage the unions. And um, um, I was part of the conversation with that, with one of the unions. So um, that is why uh, uh, that, that is the basis on, 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 on what I'm saying. Now, the thing about it is that if you shift the retirement age for NIS benefits, that, af- that affects all workers across the board, both private and public sector. So I think that is the, that is the context with, with, within which they engage the unions. Because the NIS benefits is across the board to all workers. Um, the retirement age, I know for some, some sectors of the public services, like with um, NUJFW and their workers, their daily rated workers. It's already at 65. And, uh, um, so but the private sector come. doesn't have a retirement age. No. Well, some of them, people correct. can continue to work regardless. Correct. It doesn't have a retirement age. And, uh, but they can derive 100% of their benefits presently 
at 60. So you well, want NIS. to derive NIS benefits. That's right. NIS right. benefits. So you can derive it at 60. With this change, that is not going to be the case any longer. Even if you're in the private sector and you want to retire at 60, you will get a prorated benefits package from NIS. You're not going to be able to, to be entitled to a hundred percent benefit anymore. So that is what I'm saying is that this affects workers across the board, private and public. And that is one of the reasons why they engage the unions. Because it's it's not only about um, it's not only about um, unionized workers. Um I don't now the minister did say it is not a retirement age for the country. But in 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 some in some terms it is because we get retirement benefits. That's what retirement age is about. At what age do you uh, are you entitled to your retirement benefits? And uh, so and where the protective services is concerned, he did say now the protective services, yes, in the defense force it's different, um, police prisoners and fire it's at 55 and 60, depending on which division you're in and which rank you're in. Um, that, does not, that is not affected by the LIS benefits age. So within the protective services, although you retire at, let's say, 55 in any second division, um, you don't get re- LIS benefits at 55 although you retire at 55. So presently, you have to wait until you're 60 to go and enjoy your NIS benefits. Those in the protective services, that is in the first division of the respective services, retire at 60. When they retire, they get their NIS benefits. When you retire at 55 in the second division, you have to wait till 60 to get your retirement benefits. But the retirement age in the protective services is legislated. That is not going to change with the change in the retirement age for LIS pensions. That will remain the same. What it means for officers within the protective services is that they could get their, they will be entitled to get a prorated at 60 and full benefits at 65, whereas before you used to get full benefits at 65, at 60, sorry. So that is the impact it's going to have on members of the protective services. In the Defense Force, you retire before, again, second division, you retire before um, 55. So you will have to wait even longer to 65. Now, uh, 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 one of the callers came on and said that uh, certain ranks in the Defense Force retire at 47. So if you're at 47 and you retire and you have to wait until you're 65 to get full NIS benefits, that means you're waiting 18 years or 17 years. So that is the impact it's going to have on on, 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 on um, them. Um, All right. But well, thank you, Kola. Thanks for your input. No problem. Well, you have a good day. So we're still taking your calls to do to talk. Two 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 eight two five five. Um, we could probably take a, a a call or two again before we um head to our uh, song and and the closing of the short nine a.m. 
because um, we're running out of time. But we could still take some calls. Two 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 talk two 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 eight two five five and North Americans eight six six five two five ten ninety nine. But I heard that conversation about it really being an NIS age um, in terms of getting those benefits. But I think the state is actually looking at the broader picture. That's my sense. Because you're already hearing public servants and public sector workers starting to think, well, okay, if they shift the age to 65, you know, what are my options? Especially people who are close to retirement. You know, so it's something because even teachers, I think, are probably discussing it already because even though it was initially contextualized as an NIS thing. But you see, to me, logically, it goes hand in hand. If you want more contributions into the NIS system for longer, then it means you have to move the retirement age of 65, especially in the public sector. You have to shift it. Because then you're going to get five years more contributions, and then it means people will then be able to access, and you're, you're probably and the NIS is going to shift to 65 so that people will no longer be able to access it at age 60. Now, is there going to be a transitional period, a transitory period, which is what I think Paul suggested, where you may be able to still access it at age 60 in a transitory period? It means people who are close to age 60 will probably have the right to elect. And they could probably say, well, I'm electing to still retire at age 60 and still get my NIS benefits at age 60 moving forward. Whereas as the transitory period moves on you have less and less options and then it will get to a point where the benefits and retirement age are synchronized at age 65. we have a call good morning i think that ultimately has to be the end game good morning yeah good morning gentlemen yes that point is well taken i think you're on ball because those officers who have to retire at 55 and have to wait till 65 you know on their pension one on the lowest scale this pension will be minimal and he's depending on that NIS at 60. You know what I mean? So probably yeah. he should work till 60. So you have a little more income coming in and then he has to wait till 65 to get his NIS. So I think it stands to reason with the hardships now when you leave at 55 and you have nothing until 60 with your NIS on board 65. So it, I think it makes good sense across the board 60 years. Good program. Keep it up, Benjamin. All right, thank thank you, caller. So we're still taking your calls um, as we head towards nine a.m. Two 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 talk two 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 eight two five five. If you have an opinion on this, of course you can call in now. I don't know if people are sending any opinions on the message board chain. All right, just one. Um, someone is saying, Dr. Richards, please correct that caller. Um, the present age is 60 years and the proposed age is 65 years. I'm just thinking about the young ones coming up out of secondary school and UWE. I just think it should be optional. And you work, you work the contributions to what you're entitled to. It's a contributory fund, not so? Yeah, it is contributory. Yeah, it's a contributory fund. So, X, if you work to 65, you get X. If you work to 60, you get X. And you shouldn't be penalized because you choose to work to 60. 
which is what to me the, the proposal is. But I think they're taking out for wider national consultation. So I see mm. something coming up on nine now. Griffith promises to provide evidence of criminal conduct regarding COP merit list. Ooh, he said he a news conference today with his attorney, Larry Lala. When I'll reveal documents, it will confirm once and for all that Trinidad Tobago that the very serious criminal activities took place in the rescinding of the merit list. Griffith also criticized Acting Commissioner McDonald Jacob for his role or lack thereof in the matter. It will show the incompetence of the Acting Commissioner of Police. So I guess we have to look forward to that today. Mm. One more thing to look forward to today. Well, he's been pretty quiet. Well, he's been quiet, but it's like nobody, nobody's been taking him on. So I guess we'll see what he has to offer today. Never a dull moment. All right, Shane. Richard, you're the interrupter. All right. So Trinidad Tobago have a and Trinidad Tobago and our listeners wherever you are across the planet, North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, wherever you are. Um, have a fantastic day, whatever you do today. And remember to smile and laugh. It's good for your health. Have a great one, people. Before I wrap up, I'm going to ask you to put back that gospel song you played this morning. It was very inspiring. I'm talking so you could get a chance to play it up on your quick with your fingers and stuff <laughs> All right, like that. Cool. Right? Have a great day. Be safe and make, make someone happy to smile. I thought you was faster than that, eh? No, actually, it caught me off guard because um, Sir Charles is now plugged in. <laughs> so, I'm going to pull yeah, it um, anyways. <laughs> and if I was getting it, I had this song already. Yeah. <laughs>
Using Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.